Yes, folks, it's 2 p.m. Pacific time. It's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray, which you know means this has to be... And maybe it doesn't. Sometimes I find but it appears to be my music. I got no why. So we're just going to bring our folks in. I didn't hear the music, but okay. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> so I'm with Ray Elizabeth Denham, Ray Pillar, and Kristen, the female business warrior. How are we doing, folks? Good. Really well. Doing well. Uh, Kristen, you are on mute. I was. I just said, good, Fred. And then my dog barked. <laughs> oh, that's what we love about this show, isn't it? So we're, today we're going back. I'm not going to introduce anybody, but we're going back a little bit to one of the original people that we had on our show, and it was just audio. And I'm I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a fun show today. Um, but uh, today I'm in Aurora, not going anywhere. Same place as last last what three months. And uh, the weather here is 82 degrees, sunny, and enjoying it here in Aurora, Illinois. So how are you guys? Great. I'm in Alabama, as usual, on the coast, um, 84 and sunny, a little less humidity, which is nice. I was so hot yesterday, I tried not to go for my usual walk in the neighborhood. Uh, you just walked outside and got immediately wet. But today, the humidity cleared out, and it's actually a pretty day. It's a beautiful 80, easy breezy day in Roselle, Illinois, today. So um, one of the rare days that you don't mind living here. Yeah, <laughs> can't say that very often. I have to say, uh, I, I have the opposite. I like I like the changing weather. I like it here. I really do. Well, I can do a remote show from anywhere on the beach. Oh, yeah. Just let me know. I've got a bag packed at all times, and uh, <laughs> would be happy to exit stage right. So. As our viewers can see, as I move my head out of the way, you can see Pismo Beach in the background, and it's slightly overcast. It's kind of what we call rain. Yeah, yeah, I know you don't, but everyone online, everyone watching online, sees something different. Ah, yeah. Got real sneaky, didn't I? Oh, there you are. Everybody else can see that, but. You guys can't. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I thought you upgraded to a shower curtain. <laughs> no, 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 no. I upgraded to a whole new green screen. So everyone sees my floating head here. You don't. Ha, ha, ha. Well, that's, that's probably a good thing. Hey, I'm good that way. So today's a very special show, isn't it, Ray? It is. It is. Our guest was one of our original guests on the audio-only show, and we started two and a half years ago. It'll be two and a half years in August, August 6th, if I remember correctly. We started on February 2nd, 2018, 
And yes, we didn't have video. We didn't have Zoom. We didn't have a website. We didn't have anything but you and me and and Kristen and Elizabeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We have have talked about her several times on the show, though, that I was on in the past as well. After that, we have the pleasure of having her on. I would say we should definitely bring her on. I think you should, right? Why don't you do the honors? Oh, I don't know if I can do her honor to tell you the truth, because... Well, I, I think Kristen could do a better job of introducing Meg Roberts, who's been our surly Miss President of Molly Maid. Yes. Past president. Yes, absolutely. I still remember, Meg, the day um, we first met you and you joined the marketing team and then you were uh, in charge of marketing and then you were our fearless president. And I told the story on one of our shows. I remember we broadcast and we were in Mexico at the time and I said, no one has ever seen a gal like amazing shape go out with a pair of three inch heels on the stage and just captivate the entire audience. So I, I kind of coined you my girl crush uh, since that point of the show. And that was, oh my goodness, probably two years ago now, I think. Maybe. Well, you're, you're too kind, Kristen. As I was saying uh, in the waiting room to you guys a few minutes ago, you know, I consider myself beyond lucky and blessed that I had the opportunity to start my franchising career at Molly May. There is no no group of franchisees who have more heart for their business, the hard work that your employees do, the commitment that they make to the caregiving in the home um, of your clients is just exceptional. And it's, it's exceptional because of the heart of Molly May franchisees. You just care so much. And that impacted me so greatly when I discovered this industry. I didn't, I didn't realize um, just how lucky I was at the very beginning. And after, you know, almost 13 years there, joining another organization, leaving one that I totally love, I'll just throw my hat here for a few minutes, um, to find another challenge for myself was a, was a tough decision, less so professionally, much more so personally, because the family that is the Molly Made franchise is exactly that. And uh, you guys took me in and you helped raise me up. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud product of so many great influencers. So I'm, I'm lucky to have spent the time with all of you. Awesome. I think you'd find many people that feel the same way. And um, one thing I didn't realize, you know, as I was going through your bio, I did not realize, I first saw the U of M degree and I went, oh man, that was a, the first black mark right because i was a michigan state girl and then i saw you went back and you went to michigan state so i was like oh my gosh she's got kind of the best of both worlds in the uh in the area of schooling goes my two favorite schools so yeah i did i crossed the line here in michigan which you know you either bleed blue and yellow or you or you bleed uh green and white i have an affinity for both schools i grew up in ann arbor so i'm much more of a u of m fan but i'll tell you Uh, You know, my graduate studies at Michigan State is where I learned the practical application of strategy and critical thinking and, you know, the ability to honestly collaborate is something that I learned in group projects, which I only discovered at Michigan State. Michigan was a much more uh, traditional sort of academic uh, grounding, which was awesome, taught me how to write, taught me how to think, but the blending of the two was really, you know, another lucky strike for me that both were in my backyard effectively. Awesome. 
Well, yes. Who wants to jump in there? I mean, it's not. There's a whole lot changed since the last time she was here. Tell us about Lash Lounge. I mean, come on, let's hit the hit yeah. the good stuff. We're happy you're back. It's yeah, been too I long. Love you. Um, thanks for thanks for asking. You know, I had my Molly made cap on when we started here. I realized I'm wearing a City Row uh, zip up, which is another uh, one of our brands at the Franworth organization. Uh, Franworth is a company that seeks to effective help emerging brands emerge more quickly and more responsibly to bring on franchisees who are going to find success and to develop brands, services, systems, fitness routines that are going to provide something really enriching for guests and clients around the country. Um, I was lucky enough to know the founder of Franworth, John Rachi, who is also a former Service Brands International, Molly made Mr. Handyman. So many of us grew up in franchising in and around Ann Arbor under the tutelage of a man named David McKinnon, who sets the tone for decency and humbleness and um, just the right compass of, of how to do things correctly. And he, he brought all of us on board. John Rachi worked for him. And then John Rachi said to me, hey, come on over. I've got this concept called the Lash Lounge that we're developing. And I said, the Lash, what? You know, I'm not um, someone who wears a ton of makeup, as is evidenced here today. I didn't know what lash extensions were. I very much was enjoying uh, the company that I worked for and the people that I served. And it was becoming clear it was going to be time for a change uh, for me. I had maybe done as much as I could uh, to grow the business and ultimately to, to protect the integrity of the business. Uh, after being acquired and different ownership, things things change a bit. And I wanted my career to be about a continued positive trajectory with a fully committed franchisee first mentality. And I needed a change uh, to make that happen. So here comes lash extensions. And I told my dad I was making this change. And he said, are you crazy? What is that? Is it a trend? You know, you've got a good thing. You've got a good thing going with Molly Nate. And, and I absolutely did have a good thing going. Turns out he was wrong and he's almost never wrong. Uh, eyelash extensions are not a trend. They are very much becoming a beauty standard, not unlike manicures and uh, hair coloring and so forth. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we have over a hundred uh, franchise salons open now. Um, expect to open another, you know, 150 over the next couple of years, uh, targeting getting to the point of about 400. So it's fast growth. A mm -hmm. um, lot of excitement for our customers, a lot of excitement for our employees who really get to create a career in uh, cosmetology and lash extensions that would otherwise require them to spend a lot of time in maybe the lower end hair salons when they come right out of cos school, but in our case, they can come in and learn what is a really artistic craft. So that's been a lot of fun. And it's, um, it's a booming industry. Beauty doesn't go out of style. Uh, so people are really loving it. Lots of interest in our continued development. So it's been a lot of fun, a lot of work when every one of your 100 franchisees is effectively a newborn <laughs> because we don't have the luxury that I experienced at Molly made with seasoned senior um, well-experienced franchisees who'd been in business for 10 years or 20 years to help complement the balance. So we're kind of all growing up together, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. So 
since you say that about um, this is just, I, I thought I don't even know if I want to ask for this because I sound like such an idiot. But um, yeah, I, I might get my toenails done once a month, maybe maybe once every three, four, six. And I was looking at your services and it says permanent makeup. Other than permanent eyeliner, what options are there? I was like, I, I had. Am I just behind the times? <laughs> oh my goodness! No, That's the only you one I know. I have to keep up with all the trends in beauty. I mean, I follow influencers, influencers who are, you know, half my age or even younger right. now to understand what's hot and, and what's not. Have you heard of inconsistent brows? So the I latest I have those. trend. Yeah, right. I have that naturally. <laughs> the latest trend in eyebrow fashion or eyebrow appeal is to have your eyebrows going different directions, which to me seems bananas, but apparently is what's hot. But permanent makeup. <laughs> Permanent makeup can be eyeliner. Permanent makeup can be lip liner, lip tint. There's a lot of permanent makeup can be microblading in your eyebrows to kind of keep that full look all the time. So, I mean, if there's something that you want tweaked, it can be done. And the Lash Lounge most certainly is focused on eye enhancement beauty and really drawing attention to that window into the soul, if you will, with extensions and tinting and perming. That's so interesting because my kids do teach me a lot. My son. One of my sons gets his eyebrows, right? And he's got gorgeous eyebrows. <laughs> that's, we do that too. Are you describing? I've never yeah, had that done, but he looks amazing. <laughs> it's a, it's another service that's uh, not particularly well known. It's actually an ancient craft that I believe originated in India, and it's much faster and less painful than waxing, and doesn't require all of the um, you know, accessories and sinks and so forth. So we need to market that a little bit better because many of our clients come in and they want their lashes done and they'd love to get waxed. We need to say, oh, no, we do spreading and it's just almost instantaneous. So that's a really neat way to have extraneous hairs removed where you might need them. <laughs> right. <laughs> As we get older. None of us have that. None of us have that. I'm not talking None about that. Of course not. <laughs> Especially after most of the salons have been closed for like, 10, 12 weeks now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why the right. hats are low. You can't see my eyebrows right now. Yeah, the covered up. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, Meg, I think it's such an interesting transition you made. And um, one thing I just wanted to um, to ask you, because you always kind of modeled my favorite thing about going into business, and that was um, being, being able to have a work-life balance. I mean, we would have conventions and things and your boys were there and you always seem to be, you know, this true leader in the business world and also such a good stable mom on the other side. Do you find um, that that was more challenging as you jump from kind of a more developed model into the lash lounge model? You know, I, that's a great question, uh, Kristen. And thank you for the compliment because I think, um, you know, parenting is perhaps the hardest job out there and we all do it. It's expected that we know how to do it. None of us really learn. It's an on the job training. So I appreciate that. And I've seen you parents as well. And it's an admirable, admirable thing. Um, it was a bit more challenging at first, I think, because I didn't have as much infrastructure and as many team members in place. Likewise, um, the, the tenure of the franchisees certainly puts more pressure on you as an executive. At the same time, most of their issues were similar, right? As opposed to a $2 million franchisee in Molly Maid, for instance, who's looking to grow to the next level 
and a collection of brand new franchisees who are trying to lease their first set of cars. In our experience, we have 100 franchisees who are all taking the first and second and third steps together. So that maybe balanced out uh, the fewer numbers of people on staff to assist. But I've, I've always tried to make an effort when I come home to be home, uh, but also to integrate my kids into my work-life balance, which sounds a, like a bit of an oxymoron. My younger son has now gone to work in our warehouse. Mostly I want them to understand that women and men, fathers and, and mothers, we have to work to put food on the table. And as much as we can enjoy the career that we have, then it shouldn't be work and it shouldn't be referred to as a job. It's something you enjoy. So the more I bring them in, the more I, I think they get to see that I get joy and satisfaction out of it. So they're willing to give me the space to do a little bit of my work from home and, and integrate you know, our time together. They might walk past the camera. Now it's even more so, right? Because right. Uh, we're home together all the time. Uh, so that, that balance is even more delicate, finding the, the privacy between your workspace and your home space. You no longer have that little commute, and now we're all kind of in it together. But uh, it's teaching a lot of good lessons, I think, for the kids as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Has it, has it made it any easier? Uh, I, I've always held uh, both Kristen and Meg up as examples of work blending with home life. I mean, it's probably one of the most... I, I, us guys, you know, a lot of times we just go to work and we forget entirely about the family because we're, we know that our wives are there to take care of the kids. And I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. And so I really hold you guys up as examples of being able to do both, you know. And, of course, you know, younger generations of guys are, are, are doing both, and, but I wasn't really much part of that. But you guys, how do you do it? How do you blend that life and work so well and, and do it so greatly? Well, I think it's interesting, you know, Ray, it, you do see more uh, younger dads and men more involved in the day-to-day -day family life, which I think is, is terrific. As you see more women working outside of the home, we're also doing several parts now, not just what was traditionally considered our part, yours or mine. And it's, that we each have talents in both regards, right? Women may have been unfairly considered uh, less capable in the professional environment. I think we've proven we're equally capable and should get that equal recognition. Likewise, men are very capable at home as well and should get the respect that they're getting in the contribution to the family. It's, a, it's always a struggle, right? I mean, it's always a struggle to balance how much effort and energy you're putting into any one thing. But if you love what you do, and this is what I love about franchising, if you love what you do and you have a passion for that assignment, you know, whether it was guided by God or guided by desire or guided by creativity, when you choose that path, if you're passionate about it, it is no longer work. It is no longer a job. And my children understand that, that my passion is not about franchising per se. It's about the relationships that I get out of franchising. It's actually selfish. I mean, mm. I love to help people and I love to be part of helping them. That gives me interpersonal and professional satisfaction. And when you do it in franchising, you get hundreds of opportunities to do that. So it's, 
I would never be one to complain about how much I have to work. I work a lot. I work a lot, but I really love what I do. So it works itself out. And, and I would say to people, if they're struggling with that, it's less so to think how to balance your work life and more so maybe the time to consider what is that work that you're doing? Is it something that you really love? Should you be doing something else or something for yourself? Yeah. I think that's what's great about franchising is that it does give you opportunities, especially when you're looking to make that jump, because so much of it has been defined in, in so many different aspects. It's not like you're starting something from the grassroots up and you don't have systems right. in place. You don't have a proven track record. And so, yeah, you pay out initially a little bit more and yes, you pay royalties, but it gives you a significant jump up and getting an yeah. established business and it gives you that time to step back and figure out how you're going to balance things. I can't imagine starting a business like we have. We certainly wouldn't have grown as fast. I certainly would have been able to spend the time I did with my kids. And I think that's the beauty that franchising offers everybody really, but certainly yeah, to find the right fit. I think um, the creative entrepreneurial side might frown on franchising because it doesn't seem as authentic, right? You didn't do it yourself. So it's not, it's not as difficult. Ask any franchisee. It is difficult. Even if you have tasks laid out in front of you, even if you have the roadmap, it is still incredibly difficult to yep. be a business owner, to be an employer, to at the same time be a mother and a father and so forth. So it's, it's really awesome to have that path that, that franchising provides it also really, I think, is important when you're interviewing a franchisor. And I say that because oftentimes, and maybe folks who are listening to this broadcast are going to think, you know, am I choosing them or are they choosing me? And it's a, we should be choosing one another. And I encourage people the same way I do when they're applying for a job. If you're changing jobs just because you want more money or you want to get away from your bad boss, I would highly encourage you to look for a really great boss, a really great culture, make that the next most important fit and the money will come as a result. The same can be said for franchising. If you're choosing a concept just because you think it's the hottest and you can make the most money and the people you talk to on the phone said, you know, this is the easiest way to get there. I would caution that and I would encourage you to make decisions based on the other franchisees that speak honestly about their experience, as well as the franchise executives. How transparent are they? You know, something sounds too good to be true. It's too good to be true. So yeah. I would rather partner with someone who's honest about the path, but that they're going to forge it with you. Yeah. Right now. Well, one, one of the things uh, I've noticed uh, over, over the years, because it'll be 17 and a half, almost 18 years for me. And Congratulations. Thanks. But there is a lot of really hard work, and I'm sure Kristen can agree to this, but it begins to take on a life of its own, the business. And it begins, you know, I've, I only go in right now, well, since, you know, on the virus thing happened, uh, I, I, I go in on uh, Sundays when nobody's there and on Wednesdays to uh, do a little payroll. And that's it. But in between those times, the business really rolls on and, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. And of course that's due to a lot of hard work on the front end, but uh, there was, and, and the reason I want to mention that is because people who are watching the show 
need to know that, oh, like you mentioned all the reasons you shouldn't get a franchise. I want to make more money. You know, I don't like what I'm doing now, so I want to switch to something new. To me, work isn't work anymore. It's, it's an enjoyment. I really right. enjoy yeah. what I do. And that's what I think part of franchising is, is about. And if you go in for the wrong reason, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah, there really isn't a shortcut to success, right, Ray? I mean, you're 17 and a half years in. You're a wildly successful Molly made franchisee now. You have created an annuity with your recurring revenue that gives you and provides you that permission and freedom that you wanted 17 years ago, but you knew wasn't going to come without work. I mean, we all know success only comes before work in the dictionary. That's the only time that happens, it's not, right? It's not, it doesn't just magically happen. It requires work and you have to put in the work and then you get that reward, which is where you are right now. And I applaud you for it. That's exactly as it should be. All right. We need to take a quick commercial break uh, to thank our sponsors. And then we will come back with more from Meg Roberts. Yep. I'm here. I hope. And everyone can hear me. Um, before we go to our sponsors, I want to thank Feedspot uh, for selecting us as one of the top 20 podcasts to you must follow on franchising in 2020, which is always kind of nice. And not only that, we were selected as which number, Ray? Number uno. Wow. <laughs> we are number one. And now a word. <laughs> oh, yeah, for everybody else who speaks English. <laughs> yeah, for those of us who are not bilingual, thanks. We're number one. And now what I hope is sound. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At West Vine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or Westvine with a Y dot com. Thanks, Michelle. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing yeah, relevant The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, improved advice, and inspiration. Find creative solutions we are a resource and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our leaders. Franchise opportunities. And we're back. All right, we are back with Meg Roberts. I see Fred's looking head over Rachel. Where do you see that? It's <laughs> a little, a little bit strange. Um, so Meg, when you talk about. Um, the, the franchisees all growing up at the same time, it, is, it reminds me of parenting a little bit just because my kids were all close together, so they went through all the stages at the same time, which made it so much easier. Um, but 
in terms of how you lead the, that kind of an experience in that kind of math, I think would be fairly difficult. So what, what kinds of things, uh, if the skills that you've learned over the course of your career have led you to be able to do that? Because that's a lot of learning going on at one time. It is a lot of learning at one time. And I'll tell you, Elizabeth, anyone um, who is on the team together with me, and you'll notice I don't say my team because that's not how we operate. It's a we. Um, all of us on the team together, we do kind of follow a few rules that I have about documenting, keeping track of what our priorities are as a team. We meet every week uh, with our level 10 discussion, which is the outcropping of a Gina Wickman book called Traction from many years ago, give a little plug to that old book, but it, it really gave me some uh, tentacles, if you will, to help guide the team and stay organized. So from an internal perspective, I'm a little bit rigid with how our team um, commits to our projects, commits to the communication and respects one another with updates. That's, uh, that's a pretty formal thing, maybe a little old fashioned, but works for me, so why fix it? Uh, from an external standpoint, what I discovered in coming on board here is that, you know, this brand was selling so quickly, we weren't paying enough, enough attention to addressing the needs of the franchisees, which is why I think I was brought into this role. I really do love connecting and communicating with, with the franchisees. They are the group that we serve. Without them, I don't have a job. Their success is, is our responsibility to engage and promote. So we took a couple of things, a couple of uh, cards from my old playbook at Molly Made and doing a regular newsletter and doing uh, what we refer to as quarterly all hands meetings and making sure that we had a consistent cadence of communication and giving them the priorities regularly. But also I think what's really important is providing franchisees. I'm going to tell you right now, I've got kids walking in here. So yeah. interruption in me. <laughs> That's the new that's the new normal, right? Honey, I'm on a broadcast right now. Um, actually, you should see your Eric. Come here. These are some former uh, Molly made franchisees who are going to just laugh when they see how grown up Eric is at this point. Who presents one of my sons who always attended oh. our franchise. Eric learned a lot at our conventions about uh, holding a microphone and being part of the Ms. Molly auction and learning to make eye contact and shake hands, which is important. Uh, but to your question, um, Elizabeth, I think the communication is important, but what's critical is knowing that you have access to your leadership. There is no Ivy Tower or Ivory Tower. There is no closed door office. Every franchisee has my cell phone number and we're in constant contact. You know, I'm not, I'm not special. They're special and they need to be able to connect with me, connect critically importantly with our executive vice president, longtime friend of mine, John Cohen, also a Molly made franchisee, mm -hmm. and really with anyone on our team, because it's our job to be able to respond quickly when people are in need. And especially when there's a hundred, a hundred young franchisees who have a lot of questions. Right. Meg, when you are looking for um, a franchisee, obviously I didn't buy a Molly made because I wanted to be a maid. That was not the goal. Right. And when you're looking for somebody to buy a lash lounge, um, I know you mentioned before the, the young people coming out of cosmetology school and it gives them an opportunity to make some really good money um, right out the door. Are those the type of franchisees you're looking for? Or are you looking for more of investor type folks? What are you looking for in franchisees for that? Well, it's interesting, Kristen, because it's, it's, it is quite a bit different um, 
from Molly made where our typical franchisee was a former executive who knew they were going to be getting into a business that was going to be scalable on a level of a large number of employees and that required vehicles, but no build out. So there's a pretty big difference when you're looking at a retail space, right, which requires a slightly different upfront investment, uh, perhaps than a Molly made and does attract uh, similarly yoked former executives. I've also learned that in this business, there are a lot of people with great management experience who have come from cosmetology, who've come from the spa business, who have been, you know, sales reps and product specialists at places like Sephora and Ulta. So candidly, we have a wider swath um, of franchisees in our business than I think we had in the Molly made business. And I'm really embracing that because I have the benefit of former IT executives who can help us tweak things with our point of sale systems. I also have the benefit of former product reps and former lash artists who, you know, had incredibly successful careers. This is a career, it's an artistry, and then decided rather than go out on their own, they see the artistry complementing so well with the scalability of a franchise that we've probably got a handful of, of former, you know, all-stars in lashing who are now business owners. So we attract a, a wider swath. Um, it's important, same principles apply when I'm considering a franchise candidate that were the same for me at Molly Made, and that is, of course, someone has to be funded enough to do the business. Otherwise, it's irresponsible for us to consider taking them on board. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's not something that we'll do. But the next right. two things are really attitude and aptitude. Uh, teaching how to run a small business, how to hire, um, you know, 10 to 12 employees, how to get them professionally trained. We provide all of that. You don't have to have beauty experience, but you have to have the right attitude. So that's really what I look for is someone who is coachable, but also someone who has, um, to use one of my dear friends, Kim Dolan, um, has a certain part and understands that, that your job is to inspire your employees. Your job is to create a fabulous work environment for them, and they're going to provide a fabulous beauty experience for your guests. And I don't consider that terribly hard work because it's something that I love. Right. But I also know that it doesn't come naturally to everybody. And if it doesn't come naturally to you, this probably isn't the right business for you because right. you should be engaged with customers. You should wake up with a smile on your face. You should be excited about serving others. Awesome. So, you, so go ahead, Bray. Well, I was going to ask you to uh, dig a little deeper into Lash Lounge. What does it take, uh, you know, financially? What is the franchise cost? What's the capitalization uh, that a person needs to have, and you know, things like that. Yeah. So it's not not atypical to you know a standard retail franchise. We're looking for uh, 150 cash liquidity, and that's for startup costs and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but a net worth of about a half a million on a single store, which, if I recall. Correctly, it's about where we were on Molly Made. Um, the franchise fee, the upfront investment, very standard within the industry. You know, you can you can secure a single salon site. That was a lot of words. A single salon site uh, for forty nine thousand five hundred. Where the difference comes in uh, for and from our experience with Molly Made is that the type of real estate that you're looking for is quite a bit different, right? Mm -hmm. The expense in identifying what we would consider sort of Class A real estate 
next to a Lululemon and close to a Whole Foods where people are going to see you, um, the rent there is going to be a little bit more, obviously, than what we would have for industrial sites for Molly Made. But it's the build out. Generally speaking, uh, we like to see the build out of a salon somewhere in the 250 range. So the construction, um, the materials and so forth to get that business to the point where, you know, you can turn the key and open the door. Um, so, you know, all in uh, with working capital and so forth on a single store, we're probably north of 350 in that first 12 months of operation. What is the average, um, do you happen to know off the top of your head, average because it's a young franchise, what are you seeing until they break even? Is that a one year, three year, yeah. five year? Well, I'd, I'd love to answer that question if we were um, having a drink and I wasn't publicly broadcasting. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to follow the, the rules and be a responsible franchisor and, and not overzealously state uh, what's possible because every franchise location is, diff is different um, and everyone's experience is different. What I can tell you, Kristen, is that we are so pleased uh, with the improvements that we've made in our process, and that's everything from our point of sale to the way in which we encourage and help our team members learn to sell memberships and the recurring revenue that comes with that and the guest satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So we've put in place all of those pieces, including, mm -hmm. you know, the Google reviews and making sure that we have optimized just about every aspect of the business. And we have seen that um, really turn uh turn the engine on as far as uh, how quickly people are accelerating and seeing success. So we're really pleased, really, really pleased with that. Awesome. So you do have memberships. That's good to know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really a critical component of our business. And while we have a contract, it's not a contract that you're stuck in for a year. You can let us know and in 30 days it's canceled. Uh, the reason that we put the contract in place is really largely to help keep that guest aware um, of the value that they're getting in joining and becoming a member. And also for us, helps keep our recognition of that member because we don't want slippage. A lot of brands right. love the idea of a member who doesn't show up and we're quite the opposite. We want you to come back and get your service. We don't want to take your money because you forgot to come in. We want you to come back every two weeks because how you look is how we look. You know, your right. brand, our brand is literally being worn on your face and we want people to look fantastic and feel fantastic. So we weave that into our marketing. We don't want to see our guests uh, lallygagging and not showing up. So we're really, really proud of how the membership works for both parties, as it should. Right, right. That's awesome. The last couple of shows, we talked about business resilience and uh, my business has gone through the 2008, 2009 thing. As, as Christmas has too, right? And now this COVID thing. And uh, I, I think our business, the Molly Made business, is very resilient. How is the, uh, Lash Lounge doing through this difficult time? Well, you know, not unlike lots of businesses, someone's friendly dog is barking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, I have little kids next door who are delivered, uh, delivering painted rocks to my porch right now for me as a kid. You know, it was an interesting an interesting time for us, Ray, as I'm sure it was for all business owners and leaders, because you spend your entire career focused on how do you accelerate growth responsibly? How do you help open the doors of businesses? And for the first two weeks post-COVID, we're putting all of our energy and effort into sunsetting the very doors we so 
desperately work to open. So that was, mm-hmm. that was mentally challenging, emotionally challenging, you know, every adjective you can come up with. It was a very trying time for the franchisees as well as for the franchise team. And I think there was a bit of nervousness in the first handful of weeks. I tried to only project calm, cool, and collected at all times. I don't want to have our franchisees feeling nervous, like we don't know the answers. If we didn't know what we said, we didn't know it, but we were getting to it. You know, no false promises was a really important aspect for us. And I'll tell you, um, if I were internalizing it, you know, in those private moments in the first month or so, thinking, gosh, I hope my dad wasn't right. I hope this doesn't become a trend or a service that perhaps because of the crisis that we faced and, and the understandable cautiousness that this might be something that people would um, would forsake when we reopen. And uh, not only was I proven wrong very quickly because in our communication with our members, we told them right off the bat, hey, listen, we're gonna stop charging you. We're gonna keep your membership active. We're not going to cancel it. And that was so that we could reinitiate it when we expected to open. That we got um, the gratitude for how we handled it and also the support for our franchisees, the acknowledgement to the stylists, the employees was, was honestly overwhelming so much so that we started a little collection of um, feedback from our guests and asked their permission to post it because it was so heartwarming and affirming that, hey, when we come back, they'll be ready for us. And now that we have opened, you know, better than 55, almost 60 of our salons, we're overwhelmed. I mean, we are overwhelmed. We are booked solid with our members right now who we're treating with priority um, preference and appointments. And we can't, I mean, we can't keep up. So we're pleasantly pleased, perhaps not surprised that uh, lashes are here to stay. People really want them and we're taking every precaution. I mean, we had enough time to plan for it, right? So from cleanliness and hygiene to the proper PPE, the proper procedures and so forth, we feel like we have covered every base that we can within the realm of protection that we can provide. And we're inviting people back and they're, they're knocking at the door and they're you know, clamoring to get in. Yeah, you don't really so much you miss or come to rely on things like that until it's taken away. And then you're like, oh, yes. no, whether it's your hair or your nails or, <laughs> or whatnot. So I know when I called well, to get you know, my, my hair done, she's like two months out. I'm like, how did that happen? She's like, everybody needs yeah. it. We put so much emphasis on beauty in our culture, uh, right or wrong, um, but it's something that we all focus on. What I learned in this process was really kind of a nice thing to know about our service, but it isn't the people who are missing us. They're not just missing the beauty. They're missing the connection. They're missing the relationship. They're missing the peacefulness that they have when their eyes are closed for an hour and they can, they can relax. And I hadn't really um, fully understood that until this crisis and it it makes you appreciate it. So just like I miss my favorite uh, Molly made uh, house guests, Dawn and, and Alyssa who clean my house, I, I get it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I really miss them. I miss engaging with them. My house is dirty and I can't wait for them to get back, but I want to hear about the wedding that they're planning and I want to hear right. about their daughter. And so people, we're made to connect. We yeah. are made to yeah. connect. And when we have those moments of pause, which is the last lounge experience, that's where you connect. Yeah. Now yeah. I know that it's still a pretty young um, franchise. What year was it founded when the last lounge starts? So the Lash Lounge actually started in 
fact, I can, I'm pretty confident that I can say eyelash extensions in the United States uh, really were developed or introduced uh, by Anna Phillips, who is the founder of the Lash Lounge. Anna has such a unique story. She's an IT professional. You wouldn't think of her as someone who was in the lashing industry, but she followed her dream and decided to pursue aesthetics and cosmetology and became a massage therapist, only to learn lashing on the side because she thought it was so cool. And then she couldn't ever give a massage anymore because she was constantly booked with lashing. So she really figured out pretty quickly that this is something, once you're hooked, you are hooked. So she opened two salons in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in the early 2000s and began franchising. Around uh, 2010, 2011 is when she started opening additional salons, uh, which is just incredible. You know, it takes a lot of courage to start your own business, and then it takes a lot of guts to decide to franchise it. So mm -hmm. tremendous amount of work that she put into the brand in the early stages. And I think she made a really smart decision in recognizing that the trajectory of responsible success was going to require partners who knew the business of franchising. I mean, I don't know beauty. Anna is the expert. I didn't know the cleaning industry. I mean, I've had to figure out how to feather dust here and I was embarrassed to say I was working at it for 12 years. What I do know, what I do know is business. So it takes a bit of time for two partners to come together where one's the expert in the practice and the other is the expert in the in the preach and, and how to come together to do it. So she has um, she made that decision to partner with Franworth in late 2016. And that's when the company went from I think 10 or 11 salons to, you know, 370 licenses in about 12 months. So you can imagine that it was, you know, this incredible, incredible lightning in, in the bottle and then an incredible mounting um, responsibility to execute. And that's where bringing in more people actually was absolutely not there. Sure. sure. All right. Uh, we need to take another quick commercial break. Um, thank our sponsors and uh... thanks, Elizabeth. Want to remind the listeners on the website, on Facebook, on YouTube, Ustream, every other else. Then I can see you where we're. You're, I can see everyone there. Send the questions. We'll get them to Meg, or you can dial in at three two three five eight zero that five seven five five. 323-580-5755. Reminder that Caffeinated Connections is every week for at, I think it's 9.30 a.m. Central uh, to 10.45 a.m. Join us at caffeinatedconnections.com. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Woman will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are The Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? 
The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And a reminder, the last time Nick was on, uh, you can also, if you fill out the form, get a copy of the Franchise MBA as well as your own free VR headgear. So great deal. Fill out the form, get free stuff. Back to you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Fred. Um, Meg, the most recent issue of the Franchise Woman magazine talked about um, paying it back or paying it forward. Um, So I just wanted to talk to you. A huge part of what you do, especially in a time of COVID as a leader, um, is mentorship. Um, So I wanted you to speak a little bit to your role as a mentor, but also to whatever experiences you've had with mentors in your own life, particularly women. Um, because I think women coming up in the business need strong female leadership to aspire to, which clearly you have done in, in the role that you are, and you're in a predominantly female-based franchise, I would imagine. Is that right? Yeah, you know, it's actually not. It's, well, the, the corporate really? staff is um, 90% female, and, mm-hmm. and then my BFF, John Cohen, who uh, is the one male on the team, God bless him for working uh, most of his career, uh, partnered with women and, you know, his wife and four daughters. So he knows how to handle it. But our, our franchise system is really probably 50-50. Um, Elizabeth, okay. we have a lot of husband and wife, both very similar uh, to what we experienced in Molly Maid. We're, we're certainly a business that can be managed um, and run and, you know, very successfully grow either a, a female or a male, which is, which is terrific. I haven't seen the cover of the franchise woman and I just jotted it down myself because I'm interested in learning more about that source, probably a great place for me to potentially find future franchisees or, or maybe contribute myself. Absolutely. I have had, <laughs> I have been really, really lucky in my career to have some fabulous mentors. And long before franchising, when I was in um, an advertising career, I was hired uh, by an executive vice president, a woman named Stacey Boney at the second largest ad agency in Chicago at the time. And I didn't realize at that young age how significant it was that she was in such a lofty position because the, the advertising industry, if you watched Mad Men, you know, was largely dominated by men. And when I arrived, at the agency, I also quickly discovered that the CEO, Tony Paul, was also a woman, and she is still the CEO today, and she was a sight to behold. I mean, just an incredibly, incredibly powerful, um, but uh, not but, incredibly powerful and uh, confident, but charming, able to bring people in, uh, didn't have to seemingly bully her way to where she was, and I really admired uh, both Stacy and Tonice, and it gave me an opportunity as a young woman to have my first career be led by women. After that, um, most of my bosses or the people who mentored me, certainly in franchising, were men. And again, uh, you know, maybe I've got some 
uh, Irish luck following me around, but I've had terrific mentors from David McKinnon, who I mentioned early on, you know, his simple mantra is ask yourself, what's the right thing to do? then do it. Like it doesn't have to be some, you know, long set of codes that you go by. It's a really simple, really simple ask and answer. He brought in a terrific gentleman named Craig Donaldson, who really taught me uh, not only how to be proud and be a leader, but also how to enjoy success and to not feel ashamed or you have to be humble all the time. He used let it wash over you, you know, let yourself feel feel proud for a little bit because it's important that your team members understand that you take pride in your work as well. So I've had really awesome people to look up to and I have also found my way by accident or by intention to try and create opportunities for people who have moved through my life or moved through my family's life, whether it was a neighbor who babysat for me, who then came to work at our front desk at service brands and then became a franchise developer and to have some small role in creating, not creating an opportunity. I'm not a creator in, in providing an opportunity, maybe showing someone the door and kind of nudging them toward it. I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of connections and a lot of places I can guide people toward. And I feel like it's a responsibility to help, other young people. Largely, that's been other young women in my life, uh, but I'd certainly be willing to help young men as well. So I, I do take a lot of personal pleasure in that. Um, currently, the manager of the Ann Arbor Salon, a young lady named Bailey Whitmire, is my sister's nanny. And she's a lot more than that. She is a go-getter. She is super smart. She's well-organized. And a management opportunity came about, and I said, she'd be perfect and she's more perfect than I could have ever imagined. And she doesn't need me. She's working with John. She's working with Taylor. She's learning how to run a business. And I feel really proud of her. And the small little opportunity I can create lets her just fly. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think to bring it full circle, because we're about to go down the rabbit hole question, um, but to, to full circle it back to the discussion of, of work-life balance, my, my attitude about that is there is no such thing. It's about priorities. And when your family and children know that they are a priority, then if you're not always there, it's still okay because you show up when it matters. And so to me, having kids, having my boys see a strong woman as a mother who does things and is involved in her community and has a business and to have my daughters know that that's okay is an acceptable option in life as well. And what you're doing for this young woman in, in the management thing, I think just sometimes living in that space and owning it, like you said, being proud of it, gives that guidance to other young women or men to aspire to those things and to accept the different roles that we all play as women, as men, as mothers, as fathers, and that kind of thing. So I think that that, to me, that encapsulates a lot of who you seem to be from my point of view. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if you lead, you know, if you lead with your heart and you consider mm -hmm. being a coach and you also consider being a player and you always look at yourself as a part of the team, Maybe you play different roles. Sometimes you're the leader. Sometimes you take the back seat and let somebody else lead. But if you if you think and lead with your heart, you're going to find that you are part of a team that shares almost the same heart. And that might sound cheesy, but the people that I work with, the people that I work for, they are like a family to me. As I started at the beginning of this talking about the heart of Molly made and the franchisees really being such a family I enjoyed such a familial group at service 
brands that were my teammates. And I thought maybe this is just unique. Maybe this is just that once in a lifetime career where you have great people around you, but it isn't. It's both what you create and what you attract and the way you manage and the way your managers manage. Cause we've created an equally amazing team of talent at the Lash Lounge and people who enjoy one another and care about one another. And that makes work and life and challenges fun and survivable because you're doing it together. And yeah, that's, I think, the, the big thing when you're looking for a franchise, and you, you touched on that earlier as well, you know, when you start calling and talking to owners of a prospective brand, or if you do your visits to the franchisor, I mean, it's pretty quick that you can determine is there a good fit for you there or not. I mean, some of them can be solved on phone calls. I know when we did our validation calls, there was a couple of franchisees that we talked to in a different brand and right away we knew that was just not going to fit. And so I think that with your leadership style, I don't think it matters what type of brand you're in charge of. When you lead that way, I think people will just naturally follow. And I think that's a really great gift that you have. I don't think it's Irish luck. I think it's who you are as a person. Mm. I think part of it's being, it's kind of got that Midwest wholesomeness about it. And um, I just think it's for, for me, and I know for a lot of people, it's been a pleasure working on your team and being a part of it and watching you grow and go on to do bigger and better things. And I hope Lash Lounge does amazing things for you. I really do. It's been well, awesome. Well, Kristen, you are, you're so generous with your compliments. It's not bigger and better things. It's different things. Um, it's, <laughs> an, it's a new challenge. It's just uh, a lot of fun to grow in your career and, and meet and uh, develop new people. It's also just so satisfying to know that here I am on the phone with, you know, two people I just, I love and adore who mean so much to me. Just the other night, Ray, I was looking at this beautiful pink uh, crystal foam uh, that you and JL gave to me on my retirement from Molly Maid. And so the idea that, you know, all these stars that make up the constellation of your life kind of create this, this beautiful sky. I'm just, I'm just truly, truly blessed. So I appreciate you having me on. I get to be a second time guest. How many people can say that? Uh, that's right. And Absolutely. one thing I ask you is, can we have you on again? <laughs> is that possible? Oh, heck yeah. You can have me on again. And guess what? I will tease you guys with, we have some really incredible brands at Franworth. Um, if you haven't checked out Franworth.com, I'd highly suggest that you do. Uh, we have some really incredible brands that are coming along, also in the health and wellness category that I foresee being great compliments to the Lash Lounge and City Row, and just another opportunity for me and for teammates and for fellow franchisees uh, to be able to continue to do good work. So I hope I'll have something else to talk to you guys about in the next month. Absolutely. Ray, you want to ask us our wrap-up question because we're running right close to time. <laughs> so is it time for the last question? It is time for the last question. Okay, so our last question is a very important question, Megan. So, so we've talked so much about your last lounge. How does someone get a hold of you if they're interested? Well, so the first thing they could do is they could go to the lashlounge.com and check out the franchise page, but I'll do you one better. If someone is interested in the lash lounge, why don't they start with me? And they can get me at meg at franworth.com. So M-E-G at franworth, F as in Frank, R-A-N, 
W-O-R-T-H.com. I try to handle and be involved in that relationship and that decision-making process, you know, together with my experts, Julia and Josh. But you want to say you came from Pillars of Franchising and you've got my email, go for it. <laughs> and your information will be on our webpage. So they can. Uh, well, good. Don't go giving away my cell phone to everybody yet, but you never know. <laughs> I still have it, you know. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I think we should go down the rabbit hole because Let's Meg never Meg never got to go down the rabbit hole because she was on so long ago in our youth that in fact we didn't have the rabbit hole questions then. So this is some Alice in Wonderland trip. It <laughs> is. Gotta have some at so given that there's been pandemics and murder hornets and frog eating um, dogs and, and it's the apocalypse is upon us and zombies will be rising up from the earth. How will Lash Lounge overcome the zombie apocalypse? Well, I don't know about zombies. I, I, don't, I think zombies move too slowly to be a threat. Honestly, I think zombies are lazy, but if zombies want their lashes done, they're more than welcome to come into our salon, just assuming they don't bother any of our stylists. You know, I don't think I don't think we have to overcome Fred. I think we're already there as a system. We are absolutely tenacious as a system. We're kind of perfectionist. And I think as you know, we come out of things as challenging as COVID and, and we take a step back and recognize what we need to do as a nation uh, to come together, what we need to do as business owners to come together, what we need to do as neighbors to come together. That really means humanity and decency and kindness. And that's what our company is all about. I mean, we've always been about decency and kindness and good and hard work, and we're going to continue to do that. So rabbit hole be damned. We're not worried about that. <laughs> Great answer. <Awesome. down> <laughs> and on that definitive note, folks, we'll end the show this week. We want to thank Meg Roberts for again and don't worry, we'll keep stalking you to get you on. And, and Josh has already gotten no other. I, I hope I don't get beats by the uh, Federal Trade Commission or something for ah. cursing. My apologies. <laughs> I think that's a safe one. <laughs> mm, who cares? Like, they, they're going to come after you. They got to find me first. So remember, folks, have a profitable week. Be nice to others and keep your mask on.